This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Anyone know what this week's Pasha is? It's a, it's a Pasha that really gets very little attention. That's the truth. I think, I think it probably has the least Rashi. So it's Vayakel Pekude. It's this week is Chazak Chazak Venis Chazak. On top of that, this week is the benching of Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Right? It's a big, big, you have to go to shul. It's a big Shabbos. So it's Vayakel Pekude. Vayakel Pekude have very little Rashi because it's really repetitive of Truma and Tetzavah. Truma is the Mishkan. Tetzavah is the Begadim of the Kohen. And Vayakel is the Mishkan. And Pekude is the Begadim of the Kohen. Okay. So, I want to start off talk a little bit about Pesach, but a lot about Pesach. But what do you think I had in the bag? Lunch? What? You thought I was going to start eating? I'm going to show up this late and then start eating? Nah, that I wouldn't do. That that bad I'm not. Okay. Now there's forum in the paper bag. Um, so I want to talk about a thought first of all before I don't, you see now that the, the um, Hidabrut, whatever, uh, is not on, is not on anymore. Some, the, the, a Christian, um, a Christian radio station bought it for like six million dollars and knocked them off. So you go to 95.1 last week, Wednesday, to hear my shear. This lady called me up. She said, I went to 95.1 at, at 12 o'clock. And, I'm, and this man was speaking about God. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Is that Wallstein or not? <laughs> Sounds a little bit like him. And then at like 12.30, he started talking about Yashka, Christianity, and the church, and she's like, wow, Wallstein went off the derech. But, and then she started listening, she goes, that's not Wallstein, but the guy's really a good speaker, but anyway, it was a, a priest um, that was that was speaking. So, 95.1 is no longer, yeah, it's sad, stay away from it. It's the other religion. No, they don't, they, they don't have a state. They don't have a station. They're not making a new one. Trying, but right now they don't have a station. They're stationless. I think you get them online, whatever, but they're stationless. All right. So let me tell you what. Let me tell you what um, I spoke about last night, and then I'm going to talk tonight about something else because people like to listen to both Shurim and they need to be a little bit different. So the thought was like this. It's a little bit deep. Um, so I'm dealing with kids for a long time, uh, since I'm a very, very young guy. And, um, I'm not a therapist. I don't have any letters after my name. Um, except my internet.com, but otherwise I don't have any letters after my name. But spending, spending a lot of time, um, 29 years with kids, teaching and talking and whatever, you get to learn a little bit about the human being. Um, speci- specifically children. And, there's something very interesting. There was a girl in my office this week who went through some crazy trauma as, as, a, as a young girl, and now she's in 10th grade, and um, she's not in a good place. That's why she came to my office. She's not in a good place at all. And I said to her, and she's very distant from Hashem, very distant from Hashem, I'm not blaming, I don't judge, it's between the person and Hashem, I never judge anybody, it's not my job, it's not, you know, it's God's job, and um, what I found is like this, in my own life, you can never feel another person's pain, when people say, I feel your pain, they're lying, it's not true, it's a very ridiculous statement, you cannot feel my pain, no one in this room could ever feel my pain because you're not me. If I took a needle and I stick it into my finger, some of you might go, ooh, but your finger doesn't hurt you. So that ooh is like, I understand that you're in pain and that bothers me, that you're in pain. So ooh, that bothers me. But my finger doesn't hurt. If I told you all, at the same time that I stick my needle on my finger, you should all stick a needle in your finger you still don't feel my pain. You feel your pain. Now your finger hurts. But you don't feel my finger hurting. You cannot feel someone 
else's pain. There's no such thing. You can feel that someone else is in pain. Now, why am I telling you this? There's a reason. So what happens to us when, doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter what the pain is, if it's, it's physical trauma, emotional trauma, sexual trauma, if it's losing a parent, if it's, um, if it's a friend hurting you, whatever that trauma, whatever, whatever happened to you, being that nobody else can feel what I feel makes me feel alone. Automatically, if I am in this room right now with all of you, and I am feeling something that all of you are not feeling, then I am alone in my feeling. Right? That's logical. That feeling of being alone is a terrible feeling, ever. To feel that you're alone is a very terrible, very hard, emotional feeling. So I asked this girl, when you sit in class after what you went through, do you feel different than all the other 10th graders in your class? I knew the answer. Yes. They're talking about Pesach and fluffy things and this boy winked at me from across the street and girl drama. You know what happened to me? Do you know what I'm going through? All of you don't understand what I'm going through. You're like strangers. I'm like in a room with a bunch of girls my age and no one here understands me because no one's going through what I'm going through because whoever's going through the same type of thing is not the same as what I'm going through because even even when you stick the needle in your finger your pain's not the same well, mine, I'm a man my threshold of pain might be higher your threshold of pain might be higher your finger might be much more sensitive and soft my fingers from working might be much tougher so it's, it's not it's, there's no two people that are alike and, 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 and we process and our sensories they're all different so on top of the trauma that was done to her she's now all alone which is an added trauma to her trauma and when you feel alone it's such a terrible feeling that you need to fix that feeling what's causing you to to feel alone is that I'm going through pain that nobody else understands or even if they understand it nobody else feels my pain so I'm different I'm sitting in this room and and there's like a buzz going around me. They're talking and they're talking about this and they're, 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 they're drawing and they're writing and, and I'm still stuck in what just happened two days ago to me in my room and whatever it was. And I, I can't, I, I can't, I don't belong anymore. I don't belong anywhere anymore. And I'm uncomfortable everywhere I go because, because nobody's in what, no one's feeling what I'm feeling. And what happens is you, you gotta do something not to feel like that. You can't live like that. So you try to deaden the pain. By drinking, by drugging, by doing anything that will get me out of that pain. Because once I'm out of that pain, then I'm like everybody else and I'm back in the world and I'm not alone. And, and or chathrasham people cut because that pain is even more than the pain that they're in. So it makes, it makes them forget about the other pain because now they're in physical pain. I don't have to go into the whole cutting thing, but right, it's ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. Why would a person cut themselves? And the answer is it's not ridiculous. They're cutting themselves because that pain that makes them feel different that nobody understands. I don't want to feel that pain anymore, that emotional pain. So I do something physically to myself. So there's all types of coping skills that not good ones, negative coping skills that people do to cope with that loneliness of nobody understands what I'm going through. My wife was sitting shiver for her father and it bothered her when people would sit down and, and say, I understand your pain. She said, people who had both parents, they can't understand my pain. How can they understand my pain? And even the people who, you know, I lost my father last year, I understand how you feel. You don't understand my relationship with my father. You don't understand how I feel. I don't know what your relationship with your father is. That's your, that's your problem. But you don't know my relationship. You don't know what I just lost. You don't understand what I'm saying. So my wife said that, and, and the worst thing could be when someone sat down and said, you know, I understand. I understand what you feel. I lost my mother. You don't understand what I feel. And in fact, the halacha by Nicham Avelim, when you go to a, people who are sitting shiva, is you're not allowed to talk. You know that? You are not allowed to start the conversation. You have to let the oval start the conversation. And if the oval doesn't talk, you sit there. You don't talk. You are not. Why? Because you're going to say something ridiculous. 
you're going to say, I understand your pain. And the, and the, and the person can be like, get out of here. Get out of my face. Like, what are you saying? You don't understand my pain. You don't understand what I'm going through. So the first thing I say is, I don't understand your pain. And when I deal with girls and with people that went through trauma, I don't sit there and say, like, I understand what you're going through. I'm like, I have no idea what you're going through. You know, Ryan Wallstein, you went through something in third grade. It doesn't matter. That's what I went through. You have no idea what I went through. And I have no idea what you went through. And, and that's, that, that just causes a certain loneliness. And why am I telling you this? Ryan Wallstein, what is this? A psych 1? Psych 102? Like, what is this? The answer is very important. Because this is what Pesach's all about. Hashem said in Mitzrayim, when Kleisrael went down to Mitzrayim, Yaakov and Shivim Nelfesh, Hashem said, I'm going down with you. I'm going down to Mitzrayim with you. Because there's going to be a lot of trauma. And I told this young 10th grader who's having such a hard life, I said, there's only one being in the world that can actually feel your pain. I can't feel your pain because I'm not you. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everybody. And one of his children is in pain. He feels that pain. And therefore, if you have God in your life, that loneliness that's driving you to do things, to get rid of the pain, to... Not, not really get rid of the pain, but drugging doesn't, you know, once the drugs wear off, or the, the alcohol wears off, or whatever you're doing to yourself, even someone who cuts, you stop cutting, after a while, it comes back. You can't, you can't get rid of that feeling by doing anesthesia. It doesn't work. But when a person is close to a Kurdish Baruch Hu and he knows that, that you are with me in this pain, I am no longer alone. I'm no longer alone. I can continue. And the difference between people, there are some biggest, some of the biggest tzaddikim that have lost all their children. There's a Rosh Hashim in Israel that I know very well. He lost five kids in a fire. He has kids that are not well. He's the happiest man you ever met. Because he has God. He's not alone. He has Taurus, crazy Taurus. But he's not alone because he knows that everything he's going through, God is going through with him. And being that we're part of Hashem, our soul is part of his soul. We're part of him. So when we hurt, he hurts. So you're never alone. And I said to her, the reason that you're going through what you're going through and this crazy loneliness and this crazy, I'm, I'm one person in this world and nobody understands me because you don't have God. She doesn't. She's not connected at all. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes in our chinuch world is that the first thing you need to do with a child and, 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 and growing up in yeshiva and in, in seminary and in high school, wherever you are, is to make that relationship between you and Hashem. And, 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 and memorizing Mishle is very good, but it's a subject. It's a subject. It's not bringing you closer to Hashem. Yes, learning Torah brings you closer to Hashem. You're learning Torah Lishma. It's very important. When you learn Torah, everybody asks a question. This guy, he sits and learns, and then he steals. He sits and learns, and then he beats his wife. How could that be? How could someone who learns Torah all day beat his wife? How could someone who learns all day steal? How is it possible? Right? And the answer is, he's not learning Torah Lishma. If you learn Torah Lishma, you learn Torah because it's a mitzvah from Hashem, and you want to get closer to Hashem, you're not beating your wife. And you're not stealing from anyone. And you're not a low life. And you know, you're not doing those things. A lot of girls, they go out with boys who are supposedly learning all day, and they're like, they're all saying, I don't understand. This guy wants to go to movies. He's like, when we're married, can we go to movies? Like, He's sitting all day and learning, and that's his question on my date? Like, if we go to a hotel once we're married, then we're allowed to watch a movie. We can't have it at home, but we could have it. And he goes like, you're sitting in a lake with learning a whole day? Like, that's your question? That's your question? If we can watch movies, what's wrong with him? So she's like, I don't understand. He's sitting in a lake with learning a whole day. How come it didn't change who he is? And I'm like, it has to be Lishma. If you're learning just to get a good shidduch, or you're learning just... Right, Shalai Lishma, Bolishma. But while you're in the Shalai Lishma, 
it doesn't change you enough. It changes you a little bit. Always, Torah always changes you. But if you're learning Torah Lashma, it changes who you are. It changes how you look at people. It changes how, how you treat people. Any of the tzaddikim and the gedolim, how they treated their wives was not was not normal. The way they treated their wives on such a high level, like their wives were, they said their wives were their shechina. Shlomo Zalman Auerbach got up and his wife, he was one of the Gol Hadar. He got up at his wife, Leviah, and said, I do not have to ask her Mechila for anything. Never in, the, in my life with her did she ever do anything wrong to me or did I ever think do wrong? I can't get up and say that. Who can get up and say that? Who can get up and say that? I never did anything wrong to my wife. That's the level that he was on. He used to eat a piece of cake before he walked into the house so that he wasn't starving and he wouldn't be able to give his wife the right attention. So I knew the boy who drove him home every day and he used to have a piece of, 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 of sponge cake in a napkin and he would eat it and the guy once in a while, he was a wise guy, he said, Rebbe, don't you know you're not supposed to eat right before supper? It's going to ruin your, your, your appetite? He said, no, I, I come home, I'm very hungry, so I eat this before I come home and I can talk to her and I'm not in a rush to eat and I have time to tell her about my day. That's what Torah does to you. But it has to be Torah Lishma. I have to be learning Torah for the right reason. Memorizing Mishle so you can be valedictorian or that you should get a hundred on your report card, that doesn't do anything for you. That doesn't do anything for you. That's a subject that you're trying to get through school. It doesn't change who you are. That's why so many girls have questions on Hashem. I mean, how could you have questions on Hashem? You know Mishle. I don't have, I don't know Mishle by heart. I don't know Lama Tesmalachas like most girls do. They have tests and tests on Lama Tesmalachas. I know Lama Tesmalachas a little bit, but I can't compete with a 12th grader in Mesoros. Uh, inside and out. And then you have girls, not Masoros, Tzatz Shalom, but you have girls in other schools that know Lama Tesmalachas, got a hundred on their test, know everything by heart, and they talk on their phone on Shabbos. How can that be? How can it be a girl that knows Lama Tesmalachas, she knows everything about Bayreh, she knows everything about sewing and knitting and all the Av, Av Malachas and told us, she knows everything, and then, She's not a phone on Shabbos. And there's so many people who don't know the Labatas Malachas, they would never touch their phone on Shabbos. And the answer is, she, she didn't ingest that. She learned it as a subject. So it didn't bring her closer to Hashem. It, it brought her closer to a good report card. So what we have to work on is a relationship with Hashem. If you have a relationship with Hashem, then you're never alone. I do not understand how atheists live. I don't understand that. How could you live in a world where there's no God? In a world there was no God, so if something bad happens, it's just random. So like, it's just, I'm not lucky. There's a God, so there's a cheshman, there's a dimmer cheshman. Something happened to me, but there's a reason that something happened to me. There's a cheshman, because Baruch Hu has, there's a cheshman, right? There's a reason for that to happen. So if everything has a reason, so even when there's tragedy, tragedy has a reason, even though I don't get a chance to see the end picture, Right? But I believe in Hashem that there is an end picture. Imagine if you believe there is no end picture. Everything's random. So somebody died who's very young, who's your best friend, and you're like, she died and there's no reason. And not only that, there's no Olam Haba. She just, poof, the magic dragon, she's gone. And that's it. You die and everything's dark and that's it. So why'd you come to the world? What'd you do here? What are you taking with you? The whole thing makes no sense. The whole thing has no worth, has no value. How do atheists live? And the answer is, do you ever meet a happy atheist? I haven't. I deal with them all the time. They're angry, questions. <laughs> They're not nice, soft, sweet, happy people. They're miserable. They're miserable. Why? Because they're very lonely. Because the only one that you can have really in the world that feels what you feel is Hashem. And if you don't have him, it's a very lonely world. Because in the end of the day, the human being comes to the world alone. As a little baby, you go out alone. Nobody goes with you, not your friends, not your family. Nothing goes with you. you co- it is so lonely. Imagine, you go to the next world you're by yourself. There's nobody with you. Even the people that are up there, they say Shalom Aleichem, dance a little bit maybe, and they leave. you got to go Din V'cheshman by yourself. So, you go into the world, 
by yourself. You're an atheist. You live your life by yourself. And then you die. And you come up to the next world by yourself. How, how, how could someone live such a life? We believe that we go to the next world. There's a Ganeiden. There's a Ganeiden for women. There's a Ganeiden for men. There's Yeshiva Shomayla. There's a whole life that's much longer than a life here. Baruch Hashem. But just to believe that you're worm food, you die and they put you in a box and you're gone, you're here, you're gone. What'd you do while you were here? Nobody remembers you, nothing. Goodbye, have a good day. You're a stone. That's such a miserable life. So I explained this to this girl and I said, maybe if you get close to Hashem, you won't be so lonely. They're not. Moshe Ben was never lonely. Tzadikim are not lonely. They're not lonely. Rav, uh, I say it many times, the story of my Rosh Hashiva, Rav Shmuel Birnbaum. So he was a, he was, Rav Shmuel Birnbaum was a, a big masmid. He, he would learn all day. He was my, he was my, uh, Masada Kedushin, but he wouldn't come to the wedding until 8 o'clock. Cause Seder was over at 8, so he told me, that you have to have a late chup if you want me Masada Kedushin, cause he doesn't miss Seder for anybody or anything. Seder was over at 8 o'clock. He was, he sat a whole day and learned. He was called the, the, like, of, of, of Ardar. He was the master of Ardar. Anyway, there was a, a, a Kailo guy in Mir, and he was married for many, many years, and his wife got four, uh, got stage four cancer. And this, this Kailo guy was living there for a long time, and his wife was supporting him, and, and, and taking care of the kids, and she was really wonderful, but stage four, they gave her three months. So he went to the Rosh Hashiva. They said this by his, after his Leviah, by, by, when, by, by, when, Nicham Avelim. So he came to Rosh Hashiva, I think he said over the story even. And he said to Rosh Hashiva, listen, I'm, 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 I'm all these years, 30 years in, in Kyle. My wife has stage four, the doctor says she has three months. Rosh Hashiva, you have to do something. You have to save my wife. Rosh Hashiva said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Makubal. I'm not a Rebbe. I'm Rosh Hashiva, I sit and learn. I, what, what, what could I do? I'll daven for her. He says, no. Uh, it's very nice. I need you to save my wife. I need you, I need an ace because going to Pitochatela, she's not going to be here in three months. And this guy is learning so long in Mir. You know, Rishiva felt the mice his wife supported him thirty years to sit and learn. I have to do something for her. Anyway, to make a long story short, the next week, because she was already stage four and it was gone, she was gone. So there was a test of some kind of new medicine in in Belgium. And they were taking 20 patients that everybody gave up on. What do you have to lose? You try this new chemo. 10 were healed and 10 died. She went from stage 4 to stage 0. The tumor shrank. Goodbye. Baruch Hashem. I think she's still alive. This happened a long time ago. Baruch Hashem. He comes back to Shmuel Bermel. And he says, Rosh Hashiva. I know it's not the chemotherapy. You did a mythos. You are a rebel. No, 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 he said. I'm not a rebel. I'm not a Makobo. He says, Rishiva, tell me what you did. What did you do? How did you do this? I know that my wife only had two weeks and this whole thing just came about. I know that Rishiva did. What did you do, Rishiva? And this is what he told this young man, older man, actually. He said, I opened my Gemara. To Abaya the Rava. Those are two of the two of the, the rabbis that are found a lot in the Gemara, and they argue Abaya Rava, Abaya Rava. Uh, there's Rav and Shmuel, and there's Abaya and Rava. But Abaya and Rava is like are many, many pages in the Gemara. He said, Oh my Gemara. And I said to this is what Yeshiva said. And I said to Abaya and Rava, I speak to you every single day. Every day we talk, a whole day, because he's learning a whole day. We talk, you talk to me, I talk to you. I never asked you to, I never asked you for anything. It's already, Chabrusas, we're Chabrusas for so long. I'm talking to you for so long. I never asked you for anything. There's a boy here, a man that's sitting and learning. He also talks to you. Go in front of Hashem, because Bozal could make a miracle for his wife. I never asked you for anything. I'm asking you for this. He says, I didn't do anything. Abai and Rava did everything. He didn't learn Gemara on my Rosh Hashiva. He talked to them. The last time anyone was in class and memorized Mishle, but was talking to Shlomo Melech. No way. 
You remember, we were mesmerized. We, we, we memorized them. When was the last time somebody opened up to heal him and was talking to David Amalach? You read the words. A relationship? That I'm not alone? Could anyone in this room, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you, I'm part of this. I'm talking to myself also. Can any of us say we have a relationship with David Amalach? Well, you say to heal him every day if you do. How can you not have a relationship with David Amalach? And the answer is, you're just saying words. You're not talking to David Amalach. Judaism, Yiddishkeit, Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, takes you out of that loneliness. And then you have Simchas HaChayim. Even when there's, because of the Labriyot. Even though you're going through some hard times, but if you know that there's someone there that mamish feels what you feel, you're no longer alone. You don't have the trauma, the extra trauma, after the trauma of being alone. And I told her, that's what you need to do. I'm not telling you to a therapist. I'm not telling you to take medicine. I can't take back what happened to you. I promise you, you're not alone. You're not alone. Because Baruch Hu feels everything. The Gemara says that when God left, the second base of Midrash was destroyed. And God went to the Moraim, to the Shemayim. I'm not going to get into what the Shekhinah is, but it's part of Hashem. Hashem left the Shekhinah here. And the Shekhinah is by the Kosom Arabi, and the Gemara says, The Shekhinah never leaves the Kosom Arabi. And there's a story about the Ariya Kadosh who sent one of his holy, holy Talmidim to Yerushalayim to Daven by the Kosel. And he came back and he told the Arizal that I saw a woman dressed in black, wailing, running back and forth by the Kosel, left to right, left to right. And she was wailing the whole time. But I couldn't see her face. And the Arizal said to him, you saw the Shekhinah. That was the Shekhinah. Baruch Hu said I will not leave you alone you will never feel alone I will go to Shemayim whatever that means but I will leave part of me to be with you in your pain because I, I am the only one in the world that can feel every single person's pain because I'm part of them I'm not different than them I'm part of them their neshama is part of me so yes you stick a needle into your finger your whole body feels the finger hurts. A Jewish person is going through a hard time, because Baruch Hu feels that the person is going through a hard time. Why do you give me a hard time, Hashem, if you're going to feel it? I remember, I remember, my father once whacked me, whatever, I deserved it. And he turned to me and he said, you should know, it hurts me more than you, to hit you. I'm like, Dad, stop hurting yourself. It's time to stop hurting yourself. So, like, I understand, Hashem, you're with me, you feel everything, so then why are you putting me through pain? You're putting me through pain, you're going, you're going through pain. The answer is that the surgery hurts, but the surgery helps. And it fixes. The more bitachon, the closer you get to Hashem, it's much easier to live your life. And life has, a, if there's God, life has a meaning. If there's no God, life is random. Randomness, the translation of randomness means it has no meaning. Has no meaning. The reason I'm telling you this tonight, and the reason this girl came to my office, even though she thought she came to the office for that reason, is exactly when you sit by the Seder, because Baruch Hu, there's a Medrash Rabbah, and the Medrash Rabbah says that when, when Kleistro, when Yaakov came with his children to Mitzrayim, Hashem went into Mitzrayim with them. He was in Mitzrayim the whole time. And that the Medrash says that when he wanted to take us out of Mitzrayim, it's a beautiful Medrash. I mentioned next week, I'll, I'll read it to you from inside. The Medrash says, the Malachim, and the Kavayashu brings this down, that the Malachim said to Hashem, why are you taking the Jews out? The Jews are on the 49th Shari Tumah. Right? We didn't deserve to be redeemed. We were so we were on the 49th level of Tumah, and the Mitzrim, the Egyptians, 
who are also on the 49th level of Tumah. And God says to the Malachim, I'm going down to take my kala. He got engaged. We got engaged that night. He picked us as a kala. He fell in love in the moment. Right? Love at first sight happened between God and us because we didn't deserve anything. We were a bunch of lowlifes. We were filthy, dirty. My story about the princess in the mud that I, that I, somebody wrote a book. From that story, a girl in uh, Chicago, I'll bring it next week. They wrote a book, an illustrated book from that story, my famous Pesach story with the prince who pulled the girl out of the mud. You don't know it? If you don't know it, too bad. Um, you have to, you have to hear that story because you can't have Pesach without that story. But I said it's in my, it's in my tape like two weeks ago, so in my share. So, um, so she made a whole book. She came to Chicago, I was in Chicago two weeks ago. She has me this book. She goes, here's your story. Illustrated, beautiful. I'll bring it next week in Mitzvah Hashem. Anyway, so, so, the Malachim said to Hashem, if you're going to take this filthy girl as your wife, 49th level of Tumah, that's about as far as you can go, then take the Mitzrim. Because if they're equal, they're both on the 49th level of Tumah, this girl, the Jew, is a slave. The Mitzri, Mitzrim, they're on the 49th level of Tumah, but they're the masters. So if you have a choice of two girls, who are filthy and dirty and terrible. And one is a slave, and one is a master. Take the master. So the Malachim said to Hashem, if you're going to take out someone who's on the 49th level of Tumah, take out the Egyptians. Don't take out the Jews. Take out the Egyptians from Egypt and make them your nation. Hashem said, no. Hashem said, Klai Yisrael is the one I want. In that story, we explain why, whatever it is, but Hashem saw our beauty, and actually Pesach night, and of course, we were on the 49th level of Tumen, the Malachim even said to Hashem, it's a beautiful, beautiful, crazy medrash, Malachim said to Hashem, but you're a Kayin. You're a Kayin, and a Kayin can't touch something that's Tameh. And, and the whole Mitzrayim is full of Avodah so it's Tameh. A Kayin can't go, we're not, I'm not, I'm a Kayin, I'm not going to a graveyard, right, because it's Tameh. So the, the, the Malachim didn't want Hashem to take us out. So they said to Hashem, you're a Kayin, and, 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 and Mitzrayim is a, 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 is a great, is a, it's their graves, it's, it's full of filth, it's full of dirt, it's full of Baal Pa'ar, it's full of, it's full of Avedizara. You, if, if you go into Mitzrayim, Hashem, you're gonna become Tameh! So Hashem said, that there's a halacha, in an earthen keli, in an earthen vessel, if it's sealed, and there's truma, which is holy for the Kayin, then the truma inside the earthen keli, doesn't become Tameh. So Hashem said, this is the Lashon he said, the Jewish nation to me is like Truma in an earthen vessel in the middle of a graveyard. And therefore, I'm going to go to get the kosher Tahar Truma, even though it's going to make me Tameh. Now I don't understand the Medrash, because then the Malachim said to Hashem, well if you become Tameh by saving the Jews, who's going to make you pure again? And Hashem said, Aaron, I call him. I don't know what that means, how Aaron can make God pure again, but that's what he answered, the Malachim. So the Malachim said, okay, okay, you want to save them? You love them? You fell in love with them? In that moment, love at first sight? Great. You're God. You don't need to go into this filthy, dirty sewer called Mitzrayim. We'll take them out of Mitzrayim. You'll meet them at Hashinai. You don't have to come into the triumph, into the garbage dump to take out the diamond. We'll take out the diamond and we'll meet you at the jeweler. And we say it in our, we say it in our Haggadah. Ani v'lo shliach, ani v'lo saraf, ani v'lo malach. Hashem said, you guys don't get it. I'm not sending my friend to pick up my kala to bring her to me. I'm going to pick up my kala. Hashem said, I'm going into Mitzrayim, I'm going into the Tumah, I'm going to take them out. You are not going to take them out. Why? The Kurdish Baruch Hu didn't want us to be lonely. And therefore, the whole time we were in Mitzrayim, He was with us. When it came to leaving Mitzrayim, He was with us. He wanted us to know that everything we feel, He feels. That's why I told you the first part of my whole speech tonight 
about when you go through trauma, you feel alone. Kleistro was going through crazy trauma. They were killing the babies. They were they were whipping them. They were going through crazy trauma. They never felt alone. All right, we end with something that I speak about almost every single year, but I think it's just a very important lesson. And the lesson is as follows. I, I spoke about it in, in the seminary today. I want to tell you two things. I want to tell you something over from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So I was in Florida, and I daven, when I'm in Florida, I daven in Lubavitch. And after davening, so they have Lubavitcher Rebbe speaking on the screen, this big screen. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch it for five minutes, you know, I'll see it's about Torah. And an hour and a half later, my phone's ringing, my, my wife's like, where are you? Davening takes three hours? He's mesmerizing. He's mesmerizing. He's brilliant. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'm not saying he's Mashiach. I just said he's mesmerizing. <laughs> Calm down, everybody. Calm down. He's not Mashiach. Anyway, I want to say something unbelievable that he said over. He said the following. He asked a question. In Pasha's Tetzavah, Moshe's name is not mentioned. It's the only Pasha in the Torah since he was born, in Pasha Shmos, till he died in Bezos HaBracha, that his name is not mentioned. Why is his name not mentioned? You all know why, right? Because when Hashem, when Hashem wanted, when we did the Egel, Hashem was very upset. And Hashem said, I am going to destroy Kla Yisrael. They deserve to all die. And I'm going to save you, Moshe, and you, and your wife, and your children, will start the Jewish nation over again. I don't want any of these Jews that left Mitzrayim except for you. Moshe Rabbeinu said, not like Noah, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Macheni no misifracha. If you wipe them out, I go with them. He, it was a threat. A little bit chutzpah, right? What he was telling Hashem is, listen, you got this Torah, Shmos, Yikra, Bamidbar, Tevarim. Well, if you take my name out of all of that, you don't have anything. So, if you want to have a Chumash, you want to have Chumash Chumash Torah, then it has to be full of the Jewish nation, you can't wipe them out, you can't kill them, and then I'll let you have my name in the Torah. So he put, we can't even understand, nobody in this room, including me, can understand the self-sacrifice. Who said it? Um, Aaron Cohen said, if I would have known Reuven, Reuven, the story of Reuven, Reuven said, if I would have known that my name would be mentioned one more time in the Torah, the schus, I would have, I would have, I would have done anything to get your name in the Torah. It's forever, forever. Why did Balak and Bilam get their names in there? Because in the end, we got a bracha from them. So Hashem has a korsatov. That's why they get their name. But to have your name in the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu is in every, is in everything in the Torah, and he's saying, "I'm willing to become nothing, not to exist if they're not going to exist." What was his reward for that? That's amazing. That's amazing. That's that's like I don't exist if the Jews don't exist after everything they did to him. That's like crazy. What's his reward? There's no reward. He gets punished. Then it passes to Tzaveh. Hashem erases his name. Tzadik goes to Hashem Mekayim. Doesn't make any sense. He he went up to such a level, and now you take his name. Just the opposite. Because he did that, you should have made a new parsha in the Torah called Moshe. Why are you punishing him for it? Slobavitch Rebbe says something out of this world. He says, a person's name, we were doing this a few weeks ago, you remember, with the names? A person's name is who you are. It's your essence. How do we know this? Every Shevet, Reuven, Rishis Oni, Yehuda, Oda Hashem, every name, Yaakov, because he held on to the heel, right? Every name in the Torah, Yitzchak, because Mitzachek, she was laughing. Every name in the Torah has a reason. So we know that names is your essence. Moshe Rabbeinu's name came from who? From Matya. His Hebrew name was Tuvia. He was born with a bris already. He was born light. So his mother called him Kitoiv. The Pesach says Kitoivu. She called him Tuvia. That was his name. Hashem changed his name and gave him a Goyesha name, an Egyptian name. Moshe. Why? Because Batya called him Moshe Kiminamayim Mishisihu. Why did he, why Hashem didn't look, Tuvia is a nice, much a nice name. Tuvia is like, a, you're a good guy. Isn't that nicer than Moshe? Right? So why did Moshe stick? 
Because once Batya said the essence of who you are is that's Moshe, what she was saying is your essence is you were way out in the Nile. I put my hand out, right? And I knew I couldn't reach you, but Hashem made a miracle. So Hashem said, Moshe, as leader of Klai Yisrael, has to have that essence. That even if something looks impossible, there's a huge ocean, put your hand out. Just like she put her hand out and a miracle happened, put your hand out. So every miracle that happened, it's beautiful. Every miracle he did, he put his hand out with the stick. Split the yam, hand out. Mon, hand out. War with Amalek, hand out. Every single maka where he didn't have to hit something, hand out. Because his essence was, you put your hand out, and the rest will happen. That came from Matya. That was Moshe. That was his name. Did Batya jump into the Nile and be willing to die to save Moshe? No. But she was willing to put her hand out. Moshe went way above his name. His name was to put your hand out and stuff will happen, even if you don't think you can reach it. But now he went to a place where he said, I'm willing to sacrifice my essence, my everything, everything who I am for the Jewish nation. Said Hashem, he ready, your name is finite. This is who you are. You're in a box. You're no longer in a box, Moshe Rabbeinu, because you're no longer Moshe. You're much bigger than that. So the first word in Pasha Tzitzava, anyone here know what it is? Pa'ata. Pa'ata Tzitzava. You. You has no name. It's infinite. What does you mean? Ba'ata, you, has no name. It's not Moshe, it's not Yaakov, it's not David. Ba'ata, you went to such a level that you are no longer Moshe. You are now ba'ata, the first word in the parsha. Ba'ata tetzaveh. You command. It's no longer Moshe. It's much bigger than Moshe. Ba'ata is much bigger than Moshe's name. So sometimes we see things we don't, and we think like, oh, that's a punishment? Just the opposite. This was not a punishment. This was a huge reward where Hashem calls Moshe Abenu, ba'ata, you. You don't have a name. A name constricts you. Your name is Zechariah, remember Hashem. Whatever your name is, right? Yehudas means, comes from the word Hoda, also thank you. And all our names is who we are, so that's who we are. But you, hello, you, that has no name. So it's infinite. It's not finite anymore. And that's what Moshe hit. Moshe hit something that was infinite. Willing to wipe your own life out for another Jew that has no barriers. That's, that's infinite. The story that I want to tell you. Which story did I want to tell you? Hmm, I don't remember which story I wanted to tell you. I have a very long story, but it's too late for that long story. Um, anybody here remember the, 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 huh? No, no, you remember the story, do you remember the story with the, um, medicine man? You don't remember the story with the medicine man? Oh, that's the, that's the basic story. Okay, we'll say that next week. Um, I wanted to, remind me to tell you the story with the medicine man. That is the Pesach story. That and the princess in the mud, the two of them take over an hour. To say both of them, it takes over an hour. Seriously, they're very long stories. But anyway, that's not what I want. I want to tell you something. I remember what I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you this, and we'll end with this. So, charoses, if you make it at home, charoses, you make with apples, and we, we're Ashkenaz, we make it with cinnamon, and, of course, you have we have little walnuts and almonds, but today there's a lot of nut allergies, so maybe I don't know my mother doesn't know if we do that anymore. And the halacha is you have to use red Sweet wine. Why? You all learned this in school. Why? What does Charosis remind you of? Oh, come on. Bricks. Why do you have to have red wine? What does the red wine remind you in the bricks of? The blood of? The babies that they put in the? Excellent. So, the Mitzvah was so bad to us that they said if you didn't finish your wall with bricks, you ran out of bricks, they took a live baby, stuck it in the wall, cemented it, when the Jews had to watch it die. So you had walls with hundreds of babies in it, worse than the Nazis. The Mitzvah, worse than the Nazis. Walls with babies that were dying, crying. You can't imagine what the Jews went through. You want to talk about trauma, okay? 
So here's the question, bomb question. You're going to ask this by the Seder table, and all your brothers from Brisk, they're going to be like, ooh, my, 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 my sister became a brisket. Wow, very nice. Okay. So here we go. Here's the question. The question is like this. Why is Charosa sweet? If it's to mem- it's the memory of the dead babies in the wall, sweet wine, you should be putting in vinegar. Why do we eat chayehem. What do they do? They beat us. They whacked us. Right? They didn't give us food. Okay. That's why you eat mara, because it was very bitter for them. But that's not as bad as putting babies into a wall. And we're supposed to take the marar, which, is, which reminds us of the bitter times that we used to get beat in Mitzrayim, and dip it in the dead babies, and that's supposed to make the marar sweeter. It makes the marar much worse, because actually what we're dipping in is much worse than the marar. What's worse, getting beat up or watching a baby in a wall? So how do we understand Allah and Shulchan Aruch that you have to use sweet wine in such a terrible Taboo memory. It's a bomb question. And no one at the table is going to know the answer. Unless they listen to my share. It's a bomb question. With a bomb terrace. And the terrace is, that's a yeshiva shalosh and bomb. It's a, you're looking at me like, what bomb? What is he talking about? It's not a girl, it's not the way girls talk, it's the way guys talk. Alright, so, the answer is like this. The halacha is that three things you have to give your life away for. The cardinal sins. If someone puts a gun to your head and says, bow down to this idol, you have to let yourself get shot. If someone comes up to you and says, I'm going to shoot you unless you shoot her, you're not allowed to shoot her. You have to get shot. If you're married and someone says, you have to commit adultery with me, if you don't, I'm going to shoot you, you have to get shot. There are three uh, three various in the Torah, only three. If someone puts a gun to you and says, either eat this pig or I'm going to kill you, you eat the pig. If someone puts a gun to you and says, you either turn on the light on Shabbos or I'm going to kill you, you turn on the light. The only three that you have to die for, Shvichas Daman, which is murder, Gilai Rosh, which is adultery, and Avay Dazar. The Shulchan Aruch says, but what happens, someone puts a gun to you and says, bow down to this Buddha. You don't want to die. You get, you panic, and you bow down. Are you chayev? Did you do an Avera? And Allah says, you didn't do an Avera. Since you're an Aynes, and someone forced you, it's not considered an Avera. You should have died. You should have. But if you don't, it's not an Avera. You didn't do a Kirsh Hashem, but it's not an Avera. Okay? Everyone stands out Allah. Someone puts a gun to your head, says bow down, and you do bow down. You didn't do an Avera. You didn't do a Kirsh Hashem, but you didn't do an Avera. Okay. When the, when the Jews were coming out of the Yamsuf, and the, the Egyptians were in the Yamsuf, so Hashem wanted to drown them, and just wipe out Egypt. The Malach of Egypt, every country has their Malach, the Malach of Egypt said to Hashem, one second, you have to keep your own laws, your own Shulchanach. Hashem said, yes. He said, Paro told the Mitzrim, that they, why, why were they getting, why were they getting drowned in the Yamsuf? Mida Kenegemida, you drowned Jewish kids, now you're gonna, you drown them in the water, in the Nile, now you're gonna get drowned in the water. Mida Kenegemida. So the, the Malach of Mitzrayim said to Hashem, one second, you have to keep your own halacha. Paro told the Egyptians to kill the Jewish kids. But if you don't kill the Jewish kids, Paro said, I'm going to kill you. So even though the Egyptians should have let themselves die without not killing somebody else, but the halacha is that if you do kill the person because you're being forced, otherwise you're going to die, you're pater, you're not chayim. So how could you be killing the Tsar, the, 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 the angel of the Mitzrim said, how could you be killing my children, my Mitzrim? Your law says that if your life is on the, de- on the line and someone's telling you to kill someone or I'm going to kill you, so really you should kill yourself. But if not, you're not Chayev, so how come you're drowning my, my, my Egyptians? They're not Chayev. Hashem had a big problem. He said, good. Malach was right. He was right. Hashem said, don't drown them, let them through. After the Jews, let them go after the Jews, you can't drown them. Says the Medrash, the Malach Michal, when he saw this, he flew down to, he flew down to Egypt, and he took a baby out of the wall. And he flew back to Shemaim, and he threw the baby by the Kisar covered where Hashem sits. 
And he said to Hashem, Paro never told the Egyptians to put babies in the wall. That the Egyptians did on their own. So they don't have the excuse that they were being forced. If they don't listen, they're going to die. They did this on their own. And therefore, they're, chayav, they're all chayav misa. And Akash said one word, kolu. Wipe them out. So the babies in the wall were the ones that saved us. Had there been no babies in the wall, the Malach of Mitzrayim would have saved the Mitzrayim, who would have ended up capturing us and bringing us back to Mitzrayim. But because there were babies in the wall, and the Egyptians were not commanded to put babies in the wall, they did that out of their own evilness. So they showed by that, that when they threw the kids in the water, it wasn't because they were scared of being killed by Paro. It was because they wanted to throw them in. Because, how do you know that? Because look, when they weren't commanded by Paro, they killed the Jewish kids anyway. So therefore, Mida Kenegad Mida would be that they would die, they would all be drowned, and Hashem drowned all the Mitzrim. Why? Because of the babies in the wall. So even though it's such a terrible thing, there's a sweetness in there. And the sweetness in there is that through this terrible thing, the Jewish nation was saved. What better place than that to dip your marah? Your marah is your life. Your marah is the bitterness that you're going through. Says the Chachamim, take your marah and dip it in the haroses because the haroses should really be bitter. And the reason that it's sweet is because in the end we see that this terrible tragedy ended up saving all the Jews. So that you understand, this is what I was trying to tell this girl, you understand that there's no randomness in the world. So that my marah, that God forbid my, someone died, or I'm going through a hard time, or my panasa, or I'm, I'm, or I'm single, or whatever, whatever my marah is in life, whatever I got divorced, I'm, I'm, I'm from broken home, whatever, I, whatever I'm going through, my marah, my bitterness, stick it in the haroshas, because the haroshas shows you that sometimes the most terrible thing you're looking at is what saves your life. And therefore makes the marah much more edible. May all the Mara in our lives become very sweet. May we see Mashiach. May Harry be a main new You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.